This is Reese Davis, and you're listening to the Galloway Podcast. Welcome into the Galloway Podcast, episode 76. I'm your host, William Galloway. Today is Tuesday, July 27th, 2021. Episode 76 of the Galloway Podcast is presented by WD Marketing Group, a Tuscaloosa, Alabama-based marketing firm focused on helping small and local businesses with all their digital, social media, and traditional marketing needs. WDMG has helped clients, including myself, in a wide variety of industries surpass sales and growth goals while maintaining true brand identity for the client. I can speak to it firsthand, and let me tell you, folks, your business is too valuable not to market, so let them help you. You can find WD Marketing Group on the web at www.wdmarketinggroup.com. That's www.wdmarketinggroup.com. On today's podcast, we've got Tom Stipe, a producer and engineer for the Crimson Tide Sports Network. He's a freelance broadcaster as well, and he's got an interesting couple weeks coming up before the Crimson Tide kickoff their season in 30-something odd days, so he will talk about that, including some cool tennis trips he's going on. So we're going to talk to Tom here shortly about what's going on in the SEC in terms of media days that happened last week. He was there. He's got a cool story about who he was working with. Uh, What's going on in the Olympics right now? I'm watching USA take on China in women's volleyball. It's pretty cool, y'all. You turn on the TV nowadays, at least until mid-August, and generally, this time of year, there's Little League Baseball, there's MLB, and that's about it. Like, there's nothing to watch. But right now in the Olympics, I'm scrolling through, you know, and I'll see rugby, or I'll see water polo. You know, it's the first time where I've, and I tweeted this the other day, it's the first time where I've gone through the TV guide in my house, and I've said, oh, Team Handball. Let me put down what I'm doing and watch Team Handball. It really is fascinating. You get some obscure sports, and you get some pretty cool sports. Um, And on that note, men's basketball, there needs to be a lot of change. It's been really disappointing to see loss after loss from that U.S. men's basketball team this summer. Something has got to change, but I'm not the coach. I'm not a player. I really can't do anything about that than sit here and bore you to death about it. So before I do that, let's talk to Tom Stipe. Um, just kidding. I will not do that at all. So let's now kick it over to the interview with Tom Stipe here on the Galloway Podcast. This is episode 76 of the Galloway Podcast presented by WD Marketing Group. I'm joined now on episode 76 of the Galloway Podcast by Tom Stipe, a producer and engineer for the Crimson Tide Sports Network. I did a story on the CTSN crew this past year. I called you a radio wizard, Tom, and that's what you are. (laughs) How are you? I don't know what to call you back to uh, make up for that, but uh, I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, summer's drawing to a close. You know, I didn't think I would worry about summer drawing to a close after I graduated, but now that I work for a school system, um, 12-month employee, you know, summer is, it comes and it goes quickly. Congratulations on that, by the way. Um, thank you. I think, thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, I think you have a future in this business. Uh, I said so when you when you did a story about us during, uh, as you were looking for things to do stories on during the 
dreadful COVID basketball season that ended well. Um, you did a great piece on all of us and uh, we appreciated it. But um, I think you can do this if you choose, but uh, having worked in higher ed on the other side of the aisle, the academic side for a good long while myself, I, um, I understand the 12 month calendar while uh, everybody else is on a eight, eight or nine month calendar. <laughs> So right. well, welcome, welcome to real life, sir. Yes, yes. You know, working in college, working now um, has its experiences and its lessons, and so it all it all comes out in the wash, as I like to say. It's a great experience, though. Uh, and y'all were very nice to let me sit in and tell your story uh, last. I guess it was November, but anyways, you made us look so good. Uh, I almost didn't <laughs> recognize the crew because I didn't recognize like, Brian. That's for sure. Who are these guys? Well, Brian was really. It was really off-putting for all of us because um, we were all nice about each other, and that is so unlike real life. Uh, it, we just kind of had to, you know, somebody was watching. We really needed to be nice about uh, about each other and behave. So we I, did. I shouldn't. I should go back and make a final or a re-edit of um, all the jokes <laughs> that were made and the the shade that was cast. Uh, but it was just a just a tad, ones. just a tad. But uh, so, yeah, and we'll be back at basketball here before you know it, and we'll have a, a little bounce in our step as defending SEC champions. We'll, we'll get to that here in a second, Tom. I'm excited to talk with you because there's tons to talk about after this offseason and a lot of excitement, more excitement for this Alabama basketball <clears throat> season than any, uh, anyone that I've ever been alive for and certainly in a long time. But I want to ask you about SEC Media Days to kick things off here on the Galloway Podcast. You were there in Hoover last week. Can you tell me about your experience, what you learned, what you took away, and some of the big moments from last week? Yeah, I had the weirdest experience for me. Um, I am uh, pretty much a full-time broadcast person now um, after a long time working for the University of Alabama uh, and sort of I wouldn't say dabbling because uh, most people would take offense and calling me dabbling in broadcasting because I did so much of it. But um, uh, I was working the SEC media days for my, my, um, my client was the Orange Bowl. They do a cool thing where they take a, um, a sports talk show in Miami uh, and send them to the various media days. So I was working next to uh, Channing Crowder, who played for the Dolphins and played played for the uh, Gators. And um, the host of the show was a guy named Mark Hawk, uh, the Hawk and Crowder show, which is uh, very highly rated in Miami. And it was hilarious. But uh, also um, on the show was um, the voice of the Canes. So um, I was kind of in enemy territory. And uh, I texted Josh because um, Josh Maxson to tell him not to in any way think that Coach Saban would care what I'm doing, but to let him know that I wasn't uh, uh, walking over enemy lines and spilling trade secrets with the Miami guys because he was actually on the show and it was just a little weird, but um, I enjoyed it very much. Yeah, 30 something odd days to kick off and you're, I don't, I don't want to call you. I don't want to call you trading or bouncing back and forth, but you know, you're you're paying the bills, is what you're there's doing. There's a there's a word for people like me, and we won't use it here. <laughs> <laughs> and to that end, I'm about to do my start on my uh, having finished my golf run in June, and uh, now I'm about to do um, pro tennis. I've got two 
tennis tournaments to deal with before kickoff. So are you, will you go. be back at the U S open this year? I will. I'm, I'm going to be um, in Washington DC next week. The hard court series is in various cities leading up to New York. Uh, so I'll do, <clears throat> I'll be there for the city open. Um, and I'm excited because Rafa Nadal has uh, taken dead aim at uh, Novak Djokovic and is going to try to win on hard court in New York and, and uh, stop the madness. And uh, he's going to play in D.C., which never happens. Um, so uh, I'm sort of excited about that, other than the fact that it'll be 400 degrees and will be interrupted by rain about 100 times. But, yeah, I was um, going to say, it's it's – just wrapped up raining outside at my house right now. And so, um, Oh, it's brutal. You've got, you've got that, have... you've got the hard court that, and pro tennis, the last couple majors have been interesting as well. So a lot of factors. Yeah. And it, it's, um, you know, they have the roof at, uh, Arthur Ashe and, uh, and, uh, Louis Armstrong in uh, New York, but there is no roof at the William HG Fitzgerald tennis center in uh, Washington, DC. So, uh, what inevitably will happen is you'll be on about match four of six of the day and uh, the low seed will somehow or the other take it to three sets and then it'll start raining and you'll just be sitting there. So anyway, I digress. You didn't call me, you didn't call me to talk tennis, I'm sure. Oh, uh, well, maybe our listeners want to hear tennis. Who knows? We'll, we'll hey, if you want to do one on the U.S. Them. Open, I'll do that in September. That, that would be interesting. That's on my bucket list. My parents, it's been on theirs as well, and they went a couple years ago. They said they loved it. It's an awesome experience. I mean, I'm a, I played a little bit, but I'm really a tennis dad. My daughter was a junior player, and it, um, it's an awesome sport, uh, which is far more popular in other countries, uh, frankly, since U.S. tennis is, you know, not really at its high point right now. But um, it's just such a scene, um, kind of like the Masters. You know, it's, it's, it's a play, the place to be. Um, but if you've ever been to New York, they do such a good job with the grounds at the Billie Jean King Tennis Center, um, restaurants, bars, stuff to do. I mean, Literally, if you if they dropped you blindfolded out of a helicopter, you would never know you're in New York. It's pristine, it's gorgeous, and it is just such a cool thing to do. So, and in the early rounds, you've got world class tennis everywhere. Not just in the stadiums. You walk up and you're six feet from the number four or five player in the world. And if you follow the sport at all, that's kind of cool. So yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to that one. And uh, DC is part of my road to get there. And I'll Good. be commuting back and forth between uh, Bama games the first two two weeks of the year. I was going to say, and, and and then you'll you'll get the the calling home for some Crimson Tide football, which we're all very excited about. Thirty something odd days away. Absolutely, you know, opening in Atlanta sort of helps me. It makes it a little easier commute the first week. So um, uh, a lot of people are tired of the neutral site games. Well, I'm not. I like the one in Atlanta uh, selfishly. But as is generally the case, uh, if it is uh, beneficial and convenient for me, it will not happen. So that's and then, the rule. That's the rule of thumb. Exactly. Hey, whatever. whatever Coach Saban talks to Tom, and he, he schedules his his future right, right. He, games accordingly. Everything is about me. Uh, sure. <laughs> but the uh, what's interesting about that opening kickoff is I think the PGA is that weekend as well in Atlanta at Eastlake. 
Um, there's probably a PGA tournament, not the not tur- the championship. Not, not the championship, that, but yeah. they've they've got something at East Lake going on. So probably a- uh, probably a, a tour event. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, there were holes in the schedule when the PGA Championship was moved to um, May because I've worked that several times, and I work U.S. Open golf every year, and um, it was just kind of became an afterthought at the end of the season. So I thought that was good for the schedule. I have no idea. I, when I left uh, La Jolla a few weeks ago after the U.S. Open was over, I kind of clocked out of golf and clocked into football and honeydews and getting ready for tennis, which is about to start. I'm going to take a look now at the PGA um, tournament schedule and see on their tour just what they've got coming up. Because one of my friends mentioned to me over that Labor Day weekend, they've got something in Atlanta. Um, you could have an ultimate uh, weekend if the Braves are in town you could do Braves, Bama and uh, and a tour stop that wouldn't be oh, bad the, yeah, tour championship at Eastlake September okay. 2nd through 5th there, so, you go. there you go nothing wrong with that and I'm not going to waste our time and check the Braves schedule it, it's going to be what it's going to be and the Braves have been in the toilet recently you so may we'll want to check Ronald Acuna's schedule more than that and that's going to be next year unfortunately that's uh, not not for a long time. Absolutely. Nope. Well, Tom, Sadly. let me ask you. Um, SEC expansion has kind of been the highlight of college football news recently with Texas and Oklahoma. That kind of blew up on day three. I think it was maybe it was day four of media day last week. What was the buzz around that? And then lots of news. Even a Greg Sankey statement has come out today. Um, right. In in days since that news broke. Your thoughts, um, and then the initial reaction that happened at SEC Media Day last week. You know, it was weird. Um, I'll, I'll answer that question by telling the story. But SEC Media Days, the dominant story in college football every day was not that. You know, day one, Nick Saban was the dominant story, but it was because he told high school coaches in Texas that Bryce Young was approaching a million dollars in uh, NIL earnings. So that dominated that day or the day before, or, you know, day one. I think and to emphasize, he was in Texas that day. Yes, he wasn't he even was. He, he was in Texas and then um, almost lost in the week, unfortunately, was the tragic uh, announcement from Coach Bobby Bowden uh, about his health. And, um, but then, um, all hell broke loose and Texas and Oklahoma story uh, broke. I think it was a guy, I don't know who broke it. Was it the Houston Chronicle, Chronicle writer? Maybe? I think so. It was because I, I remember the first thing I did was look and see who it was because it could have been, um, I shouldn't use this term with you, but some little kid doing stuff out of his basement. Um, but, you know, Always hey, look I, to see. I live in the upstairs the of my parents' house. There so you go. Good. There you go. But I mean, always look to see who's doing this because there's so many things that pass for news these days. But um, it was it was the Chronicle, I think, and so it had a little had a little teeth to it. And you know, we dealt with all this back when was it ten years ago? There was talk about it, and it was shock and awe, I guess, maybe. Um, The first thing I saw was um, that um, for some reason, the AD at A&M was there, which is, as you know, 
not the norm. The ADs don't usually come to media days, but he was there. And um, I'm reasonably certain that he thought there might be a microphone or two in his face that day. So perhaps he saw that coming. But um, for the most part, I think people didn't believe it. Um, I heard somebody on some air talking about what a ridiculous story this was and why would Texas ever do this and, you know, all the, all the normal things. But the more you heard it and the more the little, the collaboration started coming. Um, and now it seems almost a fait accompli. Uh, they've actually officially petitioned the league and not that I'm an expert in SEC bylaws, but I think there's a vote to take place. And you know, as well as I do that, they don't generally float these things out there unless they know what the vote's going to be. But um, by and large, um, there are some schools that are antsy about this. Texas A&M, for one. Uh, Very know, antsy, Texas sort, A&M. Is. Sort of well documented that they wanted to separate themselves from Texas in a number of ways, and they did, and um, have sort of surpassed Texas in a number of ways, at least in football. Um, and I don't know what the feelings are in Arkansas and Mizzou and, you know, who knows what the trickle down effect will be. It may be that, um, school a is okay with it, but by the time they see what happens to their schedule, they're not. So there's, there's questions to be asked and answered, but, um, um, there's a lot of smoke here for this to be, a uh, a non-gun situation. I think it's probably going to happen. And then the question is how and when, and there's about a billion different ways that could happen. I would, I would like to see if this is going to happen, an additional SEC game at least, and some way for um, players and coaches and broadcasters and fans to experience playing everybody in the league um, over a shorter period of time. Um, I want to say, you know, a, a guy that stays four years in school, which is increasingly a rarity around here, but should have had the experience of playing everybody in the league, I think. And uh, I hope that some of this addresses that. I don't know that it will, but um, um, we'll see. And it's not just for football, too, obviously. You know, every other team, every other program would come in and compete. Um, but mainly, as football is the main attraction, especially at those two schools. Now, Texas has got caboodles and caboodles of money, but that's beside the point. Um, I think this buries programs in organizations like Arkansas and Missouri in terms of recruiting, in terms of athletes. I heard somebody say that's their pitch now is, you know, you've got the Midwest covered if you're Arkansas, if you're Missouri, if you're even Texas A&M, you've got the state of Texas covered. Well, not anymore. These teams are coming in and they're just going to drown, I think, schools like Arkansas and Missouri. Well, I don't know. Um, it could happen. Uh, but think about Arkansas. Uh, if this all comes to pass, they're going to regain – the, one of their great rivals. The Texas-Arkansas game has been a big deal in my lifetime. You, of course, were not born yet, but still. Um, and if you look back historically at Arkansas, they have made their most hay recruiting the state of Texas. So 
a higher profile in the state of Texas could help them. You know, you think about it in the old Southwest Conference days, they were, I guess, the only school that wasn't in Texas. And coincidentally, they were a stronger football program back then. It could work out differently. Uh, clearly, Texas um, will benefit from a recruiting standpoint because they'll be recruiting kids in Texas that want to play SEC football. Not that they haven't signed great recruiting classes over the last 10 years anyway. They have. Um, I don't know what's wrong at Texas. Uh, I don't think it's coaching, frankly, but we'll see. No. We'll see if this, we'll see if this, um, if this benefits them, if it buries somebody, um, maybe Mizzou. So much of it just depends on, you know, how the divisions look, how the schedule ends up being, you know, but having more of a high profile in the, talent-rich state of Texas could help both of those schools, really. It's and I agree with you. has helped other schools in the, in the SEC since A&M got in. Right, and I agree with you that you need to play every school in your conference before you graduate. And that, I think, should have been in effect even before now. But especially if you too. have 16 teams. Um, and my worry is that I know OutKick and other people had reported that teams like programs like Clemson, uh, Ohio State, Michigan, and maybe it was Florida State had expressed interest in joining the SEC. So my question now is when does it stop? Because it's going to turn into some conglomerate and the SEC is going to become, it already is the poster child of the NCAA, but it diminishes the NCAA as well. Well, the, N the NCAA does a good job of diminishing themselves actually, but what um, I'll go into my angry old man yelling, get off my lawn speech in my opinion, college football is the greatest game out there. College basketball is second to me, to me. And what they're doing in all of these things, from the playoffs to all of this, is really mimicking pro football, which to me is an inferior product. Um, part of the charm of college football, at least in my lifetime, was having split championships and having bowl matchups that coach Bryant made on the phone and things like that. I understand that um, everybody wants to see a true champion, but um, I don't know that it's going to be different for some, it'll be better, but I sort of miss some of the old ways we do things. I have never in my life heard anybody say, Oh my goodness, I'm so glad South Carolina's in our league. I mean, really? Um, yeah. Now, they, I have heard them say, I'm glad Texas A&M is in our league. And if you love barbecue, you like uh, going to Fayetteville, Arkansas. But still, you know, to me, it wasn't broke. But uh, it's all about the money, and they're generating tons of it. And maybe, just maybe, with the extra money that's going to be generated, they can um, – find some way to, um, in addition to NIL, which is obviously going to affect players differently, depending on where they go to school, what position they play, and how good they are, I wouldn't mind seeing some of that money find its way into a larger stipend or something like that to just kind of even it up a little bit as far as um, the players uh, getting compensated 
as billions and billions of dollars are being thrown around, it wouldn't hurt them to take care of the players a little more. So Absolutely. My, and and I talked, there it is. I appreciate that. And I, you know, make some, you make some great points there. Uh, I talked with Alex Reese on the last episode, episode 75 of the Galloway podcast. And we talked about how that changes the game, how name, image, and likeness and money and things like that. Oh yeah. You know, and if he had one more year, what he could have done, he had some great answers and I won't sit here and tell them to you. I'm going to be that guy and tease the last episode. Well, um, I need to watch <laughs> that because I'm an Alex Reese fan and, uh, uh, I hope he's doing really well, and uh, I think he has a great future in anything he decides to do. And I, I'm certain that I'm going to miss that three-point shot a few times next year. We talked about it. Scary good. <laughs> oh, yeah. We talked about it in depth, and I will, I'll definitely send you that link. Um, but on that note, Tom, let me ask you, because we are going to be scary good, have you had the chance to see – the team practice or talk to coach Oates because Brian Passink said he's seen a couple practices this summer and the league needs to watch out. Well, Brian's an A-list ex-player. I'm just a schlub radio guy. So, uh, and I appreciate Brian for inviting me to come down and try his <laughs> tales in there, but no, I haven't seen a practice yet. He's got uh, a daughter to send to college. So he does. And, 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 and I have, uh, I have been down that road myself. He, uh, posted something the other day on Facebook and uh, he's struggling with that uh, as I did. And uh, uh, this too shall pass. But um, Roger Hoover suggested uh, Oreos as his uh, cure-all for, um, for uh, Blair going to school. And we, could added, we could just take him a half gallon of expired milk and say, hey, look, this date's already passed. Well, I suggested that he add Bluebell ice cream to that because ice cream solves any problem. Exactly. So, um, it's, um, but yeah, I, I'm looking forward to it when they start real practices. I've been known to slip in the gym and, uh, and watch them and, um, you know, we'll be different, but, um, if there's one thing I walked away with last year, believing, um, coach Oates knows what he's doing and our style of play is exactly what most guys want to play. Uh, and it's exciting, but it's also effective. And, um, you know, the combination of all of those things has helped us build a roster that is really good. Um, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. The addition of Nemori Burnett, the addition of J.D. Davison, I mean, you could go down the roster. Um, everybody, Jaden Shackelford returning. I just can't wait to be in that gym come November, whatever the date is, the starting date, okay. waiting on that schedule. Um, yeah, I've been, I've, been a, I've been a Bama basketball guy for a long time. It, it is said that nobody has seen more Bama basketball games than me that is still living, probably so, because I've been doing what I do a long time, and I was you before that going to every game as a student. So um, I cannot tell you I have never seen a Bama team with three – McDonald's All-Americans in the backcourt. I mean, for goodness sakes, right. that's, that's yeah. crazy ridiculous. And, um, you know, the, I did have lunch with Brian and Chris um, a few weeks ago, and uh, we were talking about Shaq, and Brian was saying, you know, the irony of this is uh, with his skill set and his abilities and his numbers, if Shaq was anywhere else and he had put his name in the portal, everybody in America would be telling him to come to Bama because that's where he fits. And right. uh, I'm glad that uh, it worked out that way. And as unnerving as it is for 
um, uh, longtime basketball people or longtime sports people to deal with the transfer portal um, and just everything changing like we talked about in football. Um, I'm glad that it worked out that way. I'm happy to see him back on the floor and uh, can't wait. And and one thing, too, about Coach Oates and his entire staff, how great they are in terms of recruiting, they're going to get the guys they need to. It's the same way. It's my approach to Alabama football when it comes to recruiting is Nick Saban's going to get his guys. When coaches leave, he's going to get the right people that he needs. Nate Oates is going to have those five guys on the floor. And it goes back to a question I asked him last October before the season started. I said, Coach, a lot of people are – wondering or like to make a big deal out of the starting five what's your view on what your starting five will be and how do you emphasize the importance of a starting five and he said it's not the the five who start it's the five who finish the game and so you can talk about Alabama starting five all day but there's talent down the roster to where it's going to be hard because night in and night out it might be different who are the last five in the game well and you and you've got these guys that are shooters and even the best shooters have hot and cold streaks Matchups will kind of dictate some things too. And, you know, one thing I like about Coach Oates' system is he can go, he can play big, he can play small. You know, we have lots of pieces that are so interchangeable. You know, modern basketball, and this is really a Brian Pasick podcast subject, but, you know, we don't have positions the way we used to. Um, there's not two forwards and two guards in a center, it, it, it's all different. And the interchangeable pieces, guys that play multiple positions, guys that can guard multiple positions, guys that can shoot it at 6'11". I mean, that's what basketball is now. And Coach Oates is really trailblazing that in college basketball that's been going on at, you know, select places in the NBA for a while now. So um, he plays a style that, people want to play. It's a great recruiting message. First of all, he's got a major brand. Uh, if you don't believe the brand Alabama means anything, uh, think about your starting quarterback who's never taken a snap. Making the kind of NIL. Figures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if there's ever been an argument that the brand contributes to that, there it is. Um, but, um, you know, Coach Saban has got it to the point where the best players in America want to play for us. They, they have their eye on us. Uh, he has built a program to the point where he can be selective. He doesn't take chances on players. He gets what he wants. There's, there's obviously players that choose to go somewhere else, but generally speaking, he wants everybody he gets and there's, there's a science to it. And uh, he has a sales pitch that's ridiculous. We win rings. You're going to graduate from school. And oh, look at the rosters at the next level. Where do you think? And, and even to the point where a kid that is used to being the hot shot in high school, he's the instant starter. You know, you overcome that mentality with it's not about what you're doing on September 1, your first year. It's about who's going to have you ready to have success long term. And the, there's evidence to support that. My goodness, we have NFL starters in the league that didn't start for us. Yeah, I mean, 30, really? 31 out of 32 teams in the NFL represented, I believe, is the number. That's awesome. I mean, that's awesome. 
So translate that to basketball. The brand is the same. Um, young basketball players pay attention to where five-star guys go. They pay attention to who's winning, who's going deep in the NCAA tournament. They pay attention on Thursday night when Josh Primo is a first-round pick, in my opinion. So all of those things begin to build that same sort of program for Coach Oates, where he'll have results, he'll have a track record, and it will be a matter of, I mean, already, if you look at the five-star guys, we're on everybody's list. We didn't used to be on everybody's list, even no, when we were really lucky good. to get on the list. I know, and, and all of those guys won't pan out for us, but you have to start by having their attention, and we have that now. And um, if there's anything I know for sure is uh, um, our coaches can close those deals and put together the roster that they want. And um, clearly that's what we're doing right now. Uh, so I'm excited. I am too. They're the guys for the job. Tom, before we go, I want to ask you about the Olympics. Um, have you had the chance to watch much? I've got women's volleyball, U.S. versus China on my TV right now. Uh, what's been your Olympic experience so far this summer? It's been limited. I worked the Olympics when it was in Atlanta, so I have a background in that a little bit. I've been paying attention to the tennis because obviously Novak Djokovic is going for the, quote, golden slam. Naomi Osaka was the cauldron lighter in Japan. That's not the right way to say that, but you know what I mean. Uh, right. and, she, and she lost in straight sets yesterday. But um, So I'm paying attention to the tennis because I'm – about to be in that world. Um, I watched uh, some swimming last night with the family. It was kind of fun to see. Uh, I was disappointed that uh, um, Simone Biles uh, uh, had to pull out with injury or whatever that story is. But uh, by and large, I just think it's great to watch Alabama kids. We had a couple of swimmers that swam last night. We've got a, a softball player that's playing well. Uh, my former next door neighbor, David Robertson is pitching for baseball. Um, uh, so I want to, I need to find their game on Peacock or somewhere and watch some of those. But, um, uh, you know, I, I, it's a good time of year to watch because there's not really anything else going on since, as we mentioned, the Braves are not very good right now. Exactly. Why not? Yeah. It's, it's interesting. It's the first time and I tweeted this the other day that I'll flip through the channel and I'll say, ooh, water polo. You know, who are we playing? <laughs> or, you know, like I'm, I'm watching women's volleyball uh, right now. And, and exactly, who'd have thought? Um, but it's better than Braves baseball. The Little League World Series isn't on. Not that I have any interest in that in the first place. Um, but it is special. And then we get the Winter Olympics, too. My dad pointed this out. We get the Winter Olympics come um, in just a few short months. So that delay really shortens the gap between Olympic periods. That's true. That may be the other thing that was good about COVID. Uh, the, the first thing was that we got 10 SEC football games last year, and I kind of enjoyed that. I did too. Let's do it again soon. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well, we may. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. Tom, thank you so much for taking the time. I uh, really appreciate your expertise, your input, and just the value that you provide uh, this time in this podcast. Really appreciate talking to you and hope to see you soon in person at uh, a Crimson Tide sporting event. Sounds good. Congratulations on your job. I'm glad you're keeping the podcast going. It'll be a good demo tape for ESPN or CBS one day. I'm, I'm your biggest fan. That's Tom's type. 
Crimson Tide Sports Network producer and engineer, Radio Wizard, as I like to call him. Great interview there presented by WD Marketing Group. You can find WD Marketing Group on the web at www.wdmarketinggroup.com. And just like I said, man, it really doesn't, they don't get much better than Tom's type. And really enjoy that conversation. Really appreciate his time picking his brain, hearing about his thoughts, and also hearing about his experiences. Great man and great person to learn from. Now, as I sit here and as I produce this podcast, I am quite literally on TidePride.com looking for Alabama men's basketball season tickets. That's how fired up I am and how great that conversation was and how ready I am for Alabama basketball come just three and a half months from now. Can't believe it's almost August, but I hope you all are having a wonderful summer, whether you're in school, whether you're in the work world, or whatever you may be doing. Hope you're enjoying the Olympics. Folks, if you want any Galloway Podcast merchandise, I've got to get Tom some from being on the podcast, but I've got black Galloway Podcast coffee mugs available and black, no, excuse me, red koozies with black print of the Galloway Podcast also. So red koozies, black coffee mugs, contact me on Twitter at WM underscore Galloway if you're interested in scoring some Galloway Podcast merchandise. Hey, that's it for episode 76 of the Galloway Podcast presented by WD Marketing Group. I want to thank my sponsor. I want to thank you, the listener, and want to remind everybody you can catch this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, as well as SoundCloud. The Galloway Podcast, where there's the right way, there's the wrong way, and there's the Galloway.